Welcome to Sisters of the Apocalypse. This podcast is hosted by sisters, surviving in this crazy world and just trying to keep a sense of humor along the way. Listen to three witty women who grew up in the same house, share their ideas, inspirations, and experiences. The Sisters of the Apocalypse will share the ups, downs, and everything in between when it comes to life as a millennial woman in today's world. Relatable and enjoyable until the very end. So today on Sisters of the Apocalypse, we are going to talk a little bit about stress management, how we all handle it, and different methods we have. So this came up recently because I was talking to my coworkers and I was asking them in regards to, you know, relieving stress, would they rather have a massage or go to a rage room? And for those of you who don't know, a rage room is like a a big enclosed space where you can smash things, break things, destroy whatever you want. Usually you have your safety goggles and everything. It was an interesting discussion. And most of us at the office said a massage. (laughs) Personally, I was feeling like I needed a rage room at the time. So have either of you ever been to a rage room? No, I never have. Have you? Me neither. I have not. But I mean, I have definitely yelled in my car by myself (laughs) or like yelled into a pillow when I'm really frustrated. And so I think it's funny, Christine, that you said you answered your own question. You would like a massage, but you were like, but really, I would have liked a rage room. Maybe that's the more socially or work socially acceptable answer. Probably. The nonviolent way. (laughs) I will say the... I'm not much of like a, like someone to like yell in your car, but I did one time write out how I was feeling on an old plate and then I smashed it and that felt really good. And I just like literally chucked it into a dumpster. So it was very easy cleanup, but it was very cathartic. That sounds like something that I could get behind. I think during that phase, when I was asking this question at work, I was feeling a lot of stress, but it was particularly like the version of stress that's like frustration and anger. And that's why I needed that kind of, or was feeling like I needed that kind of like cathartic breaking things experience versus I guess maybe when you're stressed and feeling more like low key, maybe that's when a massage would be helpful. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they're both really nice. It's like slow burn stress over explosive stress. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or like in the moment versus... I've been feeling this way for weeks. So I remember back in psychology a long time ago, we learned about stress and there's this concept of eustress, which is spelled E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. And it's basically the word for good stress, like the stress that motivates you, helps you perform better, and you kind of like sharpens your mind so you can take care of things. And so my theory is that I have a pretty high level of eustress. So like, I think that stress, I can handle a lot of stress, but when it tips over that edge, I like fall apart. (laughs) There's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of room after that. I don't know. That's maybe just my theory for why I'm always handling things when it feels like a frenzy. Yeah. I think we, I mean, we all experience it both the long-term stress and just that short-term stress of whatever is going on at work that day. 
Okay. I love the concept of good stress. I've never heard of that word before, but it makes perfect sense. In your experience, how does good stress feel versus bad stress? Because I feel like any kind of stress gets me at like feeling anxious. And so I immediately think it's all bad. Oh yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So I think of like the pinnacle to me of like good stress is me the day of I of an event that I'm hosting because that day I'm usually very hyper and I'm trying to think of everything that could go wrong and preparing everything under the sun. And usually I'm kind of wound up until that event actually kicks off. And then after that, I'm very fine. I'm totally calm. And I think it's like that ramp up of that stress helps me think of everything that I might need or all those little details that usually end up, you know, with a really successful event. I don't know how else I would explain it. I almost think of when you're experiencing good stress, it's almost like you don't feel it. It's like, if you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm stressed, then you're probably past that point. But I don't know. That's a great question, Jenny. So I would wonder if you stress or when you read about this or looked at it online, like is stress a scale for each person? And like, if it's zero through five for say a normal person, then it's good stress, like motivating, productive, getting stuff done. And if it's a five to 10, then it's the bad kind of stress where you are worried and anxious and frustrated. Like, and maybe that's, maybe there's a scale or do you know anything? You know, I don't know if there's a scale, but what I always found interesting is instead of you stress being like, like a diagonal line chart, it's actually more of like a, a you, like literally a you, like not enough stress is problematic. And then too much stress is problematic. And there's like this sweet spot in the middle where things go well, you're focused and you can get things done. So I always thought that was interesting too, because not enough stress is, has its own set of problems that you, you know, you lack focus, you, you know, you're not getting anything done, but for different reasons than having too much stress. Okay. So this is interesting. I have not thought a lot about good stress. I've more think of stress as a negative thing. And so I'm wondering once you learn to differentiate the good from the bad sort of stress, I mean, how are you managing them? No, that's a great question. I probably need to learn a little bit more how to manage stress because I do feel like this year has been especially busy and it has, there's been a lot going on. For me, one of the things that's most relaxing is spending time gardening. That's one of the ways I deal with stress. Spending time alone. Honestly, that's a huge one for me. I really need downtime alone to recharge my batteries. And what I've, I think what I've come to recognize lately is it takes me a lot longer to decompress than I thought. It's not just a 15 minute walk in the park. That does help for sure. It actually takes me a couple hours before I truly, or even I can, I've, I bet even a couple days to really de-stress from some really bad situations or really tense things. I will, first of all, we sound very similar in how we manage our stress, which makes sense. But I, with my journey earlier this year and quitting my job, moving out of my apartment and making those choices, that was directly in response to too much stress, which I mean, because it related to my career, I think I can call it burnout. And so I am still 
floored at how long it took me to start feeling like myself again and how much rest was really required. And rest meaning not only your body, but your mind and kind of, you know, even like putting a pause on some of your ambitions or your, some of those, you know, things that you were really pushing yourself towards and saying, I need to focus this attention someplace else. And so for me, I'm getting to experience stress again, and I'm able to willingly take it back on and say, that sounds fun. That sounds exciting. Or that creative project sounds really interesting where I, I mean, well, last year, just in general, I couldn't do anything other than work and I could barely do that. (laughs) So it's been a huge change. And part of it, I think I've really benefited from learning what types of stress I'm feeling and how you can respond to those things individually. Like I, sometimes I feel, I feel stressed because I'm bored and I feel like, so that's when I know I need to go pursue something creative or I know I feel better if I go and spend some time at the gym. Sometimes I literally feel like upset with myself or agitated that I'm not moving my body more or spending time outside. Like those little things, like you said, I think a 15 minute walk is an amazing way to maintain keeping your stress levels low. But if you ignore them for a long time, (laughs) then you have to resort to drastic measures like going on a solo trip for three months. But Liz, I think you had a a point. Yeah. I just think it's interesting and, you know, well-spoken that you talk about rest because I think with handling stress, it looks different for everyone. Just like rest looks different. I think as a millennial woman, what is interesting is gosh, all the statistics about how many hours a full-time job takes, how many hours household chores take, being a good partner, being a mother, you know, whether you have hobbies of your own, it's like, it adds up to more hours than you have in the day. And so allowing yourself rest guilt-free, whatever that looks like for you, I think is really challenging because I'll say for myself, it is really hard for me to wind down and rest or relax because I might be feeling stressed out and someone might say, Liz, just sit down and read. Well, I can't focus or sit down and just watch a movie. Just, just relax. Just, let's just watch the sport game. I can't because there's dishes in the sink or the dogs need to be walked. And so like for me, learning how to allow myself to rest and figuring out what that correct scenario or equation is for me to actually feel relaxed has been challenging. And I think that comes with my type A personality, but I think a lot of people and a lot of women is they've just feel guilty for resting or not being as productive as they could be just doing nothing is okay. And Jenny, you talked about this last week about social media. Like if you're enjoying scrolling TikTok and it's making you happy, allow yourself to do that. And I think that more people need to accept that thinking pattern of just accepting how you're feeling and then really following your heart to what makes you happy. That's really interesting, Liz. And I really like those comments. I was just thinking while you're talking about that, we've talked a little bit about goal setting on our podcast before. And I think we've talked, you know, online and offline about to-do lists. Do you think that the very nature of having a to-do list or having a list of goals 
is kind of counterintuitive to what you're saying. And it actually makes it more difficult for you to disconnect and rest. Because for I know for me, the, the to-do list is always emotionally hanging over my head. And I remind myself, it is my to-do list that I created. Oh, yeah. I can also ignore it if I choose to, but it's a lot harder than I ever thought it would be. That I feel like is you just hit like the nail on the head of, I feel like a lot of millennial women who want everything, want to be an overachiever, want to have all of the things because they, they believe in themselves and I think they can. But I think there's such a piece of that to-do list that can be villainized and it can become a task list. So I, when I was working on with on this very specifically in therapy, I talked about, I'd make a to-do list. It makes me feel so much better. But then we would talk about, okay, how do you feel at the end of the day when you look at your plan for tomorrow? And I say, well, I feel really disappointed. And then I feel really worried about how am I going to have all this time to do the brand new list plus the leftover from today. And so I had to stop making a to-do list and instead make sometimes like a broad goal. This week, something in this area of my work or my job or my life needs to happen, but I'm not going to bullet point it out because it becomes a did you or didn't you of how productive was I today? And I feel like productive is such a, it's an overused word and it's a really judgmental word. Mm -hmm. And productivity can mean so many things like taking your rest. That is a productive thing for you to do if you are in need of it. I will say for myself, I love my lists. And I am similar to you, Jenny, in the fact that Oh, maybe I take it too far sometimes, but for me, a list, if I write it down, then I can release it from my mind. And I feel like it reduces my stress because then it's like, Oh, don't forget to do that. Don't forget to do that. It's fine. I wrote it down. It's on the list. I'm not going to forget it. And I think the second thing I'll say about kind of the lists and the stress in general, and this is something that I push friends to do. And I encourage people to do when they are looking at their lists, whether it's personal or professional, what on that list needs to happen. And what on that list is just a want, a want versus a need. And I think that especially in uh, your personal list, professionally, if it's on your to-do list, you should probably be doing it at some point. (laughs) But personally, I'm like, okay, I want to go for a run today. Okay. Do I need to go for a run or do I need to grocery shop? Because I have no food in my house. Like, which is a want, which is a need, you know, hobby versus I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I try to look at it. And when a list runs away from you, I encourage people to be a bit more objective and look at it and say, okay, what actually on this list does need to happen today, this week, this month. And I think, like you said, Jenny, kind of expanding the list further than just one day might give you a little bit more peace of mind and then be a little less rigid. Yeah. I mean, I, that makes a lot of sense. And again, I think sometimes it comes down to personality and what works for you. Because now that I'm steering away from a list, it's great. Mm -hmm. It's a great thing for me, but I totally get it. And there are times when, yeah, a list is, is a great thing. I think it, it just depends on, like you said, how are you using it? How does it make you feel? Let's get real, real therapy in there. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about this list? (laughs) So here's a question for you both regarding stress management, anxiety, worries, all the things. 
So what is something that you either practice now to help with that, or maybe something that you've tried? Because I can think of one that I tried this summer that was a really wonderful experience and I didn't really know what to expect. It's a little cliche, but I wouldn't be me if it wasn't. So (laughs) I went to aromatherapy yoga and it was wonderful. It was like a very dim room. You have like oils for the aromatherapy, a lot of deep breathing. And it was such a great experience. It was very, very nice. If somebody's looking for something to try to see if it helps with their stress, I recommend it. For me, similarly, I tried acupuncture for the first time in the last few months. I tried it a handful of times. I really liked it. Ironically, I stopped going because the time and location of the place that I went was too stressful to get to after work because it was a very, very busy part of town. And I was always rushing to get there and it, it almost defeated the relaxation of the acupuncture. But I think it is something I'll revisit again because I did really enjoy it. It was not painful and it was very, very soothing. I would recommend it again. Okay. I love both of those things. I occasionally do yoga. I've never tried acupuncture. That sounds amazing. One thing that, again, I I think I struggle with, with being told to do things and then not doing them because I, all the time I'm told to journal. Journal your stress, journal your day, journal your wants, your hopes, your fears. And then I don't, and then I feel bad about it. And then I don't for 10 days in a row. And then I'm like, well, what's the point? So much has happened. I give up. Um, So I have allowed myself to be more open with how I experience journaling. I've done some stuff where I do collage. Um, There's a, a, I saw it on TikTok, a woman, any piece of paper she gets during the day, she puts in her journal. So she has receipts. She has labels from her face cream. She has um, the napkin from her coffee shop, really random things like that. Um, So I try that. Sometimes, sometimes my journal, I try to make it like a visual journal and that's a better depiction of what I'm feeling. And it feels like it's a more fun thing than, okay, let me think about, let me list everything out that's bad. Sometimes that just doesn't work for me. I just thought of another one that I think um, it's not new. It's not something I created or anything, but people often will say to make a list of what you're thankful for, and that can help you, you know, feel less stress and feel um, more mindful. But I kind of, instead of just what I'm thankful for, I actually just make a list of things I love or like, and it doesn't have to be anything profound, like blueberries is on my list and fireflies. And if you just kind of let your mind go and think of all the things you like, it's actually like kind of magical. That's really sweet and lovely. And I think that's what they isn't this what they talk about with mindfulness being present (laughs) and like appreciating small things and like enjoying the little bits of your day. So I think I've told you guys before, I know I've, well, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but I know I've told you both about all of my self affirmation apps (laughs) that are constantly notifying me on my phone and my watch, like, Hey, here's your self affirmation, like once an hour. (laughs) And so one of the apps that I love is called gratitude and it's just a gratitude journal. And so 8 a.m., 8 p.m. every day, it has different prompts and asks you questions about different things you're thankful for. I've been doing it for like five months now and I love it. And it's just a short little 
you know, you just journal, you know, what you're thinking. You can either just go kind of ad hoc and say, here's what I'm grateful for today. Or you can respond to the prompt that's there. It's all private. It's not social media by any means. It's just for yourself, but it's become a very good daily practice for me. Okay. I didn't even think about this because I forgot to do it for like three months, but I have an app where I write down my feelings and it would ask me in the morning and in the evening. And it had like a list of, of almost like it would help you choose it. Like you'd be able to say like, I'm feeling low energy and positive. And so they would be like, are you mellow? Are you chill? Like things like that. And then it would ask you, are you by yourself? Are you with your family? Are you with your friends? And then it would say, what are you doing? Are you eating? Are you traveling? Are you reading? I used it all the time when I was on my own traveling because it would show me when I was at my happiest Oh, and when I was at my most stressed. And that was a really interesting thing to see that like, for the most part, when I'm with myself and my dog, I'm really happy. (laughs) And then it's like, once I start throwing more people into the mix, that's when it gets dicey. But it was a great, it was a great way to think about it and a great way to keep track of it that like I said, is journaling without having to make me open a journal. I think that this is a way that we've all said throughout our lives. Like I was feeling really confused during this time of my life. So I journaled a lot. And then you go and you read your journal like years later and you're like, wow, I used these same words to describe how I was feeling. I was, I was feeling confused and conflicted, but really if I go and read my journal entries or look at the app, see like, what was I doing? Who was I with? when I was feeling happy, it is a kind of like an unbiased, insightful reflection because our memory is flawed. And so if I were to really sit here and think, when was I happy? It's probably, it could be a little different than like how it actually went down because yeah, because our brains are flawed. That's yeah. That's a great observation, Liz, for sure. I felt that way before when I go back and look at a journal from a period of my life and it's like, ah, this is crystal clear, but you know what they say? Hindsight is 2020. Well, great discussion about stress. It's definitely got a lot of other things on my mind. And I feel like we could definitely incorporate some additional conversations, maybe in our next podcast or something like that in the future. Now, Jennifer told us right before we jumped on our call today that she had a product that she really likes. Mm -hmm. And we're going to try to figure out what it is. Okay. With context clues. We're going to play a very sh- a short version of 20 questions, probably based more on time than number of questions. So begin. Don't we get a hint? It's a product I love. <laughs> Did you oh. buy it online? Yes. That doesn't narrow it down. There's been a lot of Amazon, Amazon packages coming to this house. <laughs> Is it a beauty product? Yes. Is it a face cream? No. Is it cuticle oil? No. Mm. That's a great guess. That's very random. Is it a hair mask? No. Is it for your hair though? No. Ah, she's just questionable there. No, it's not for your hair. Can you eat it? I you. I hate this question. <laughs> Could you eat it? Sure. Should I you eat it? You can eat a lot of things. No, you should not eat a, bre- a beauty product. It's not edible. <laughs> no. Do you remember the Jessica Simpson brand that was edible like years ago? No. 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 I don't think it was edible. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> I thought that was the whole what marketing like, scheme. You, it was you like, got like a it was moisturizer like, that you could eat. It was like lip gloss that you just like, mm, delicious. It was the oh. whole thing. I'll oh. show you guys later. Okay. Oh. <laughs> 
don't eat it. <laughs> is it for your your the skin on your face? Yes. But is it sunscreen? It's... I'm gonna go with yes. Okay, it's sunscreen. Yeah. What did you get? Okay. Well, why you talk? Why you mentioned about the hair is it is a foundation in a tube that has a brush on the end, so you just tip it over when you want to use it, and it has sunscreen. So it's like SPF 30 and you can use it on your face to like, um, to, I don't know what the verb of it is, but it makes your face matte oh. to mattify your face. <laughs> but then I use it on my hairline where I part my hair. That's oh. so that I don't burn my forehead or my, my scalp. My scalp. I was just and <laughs> what's it called, Jenny? That would be a great thing to tell you. Um, I think it's a Tropicana brand or they also have a super goop one. Ooh. I love it. We'll have to link it. Yeah. Once we go. figure out what it's called. You're welcome. <laughs> don't eat it. Don't stress. <laughs> no. Nope, and it. don't stress. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sisters of the Apocalypse. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. And don't forget, live like there's no tomorrow. Thanks for listening.